This is John. This is Dan. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. This week we'll be reviewing Dan's list pick, Dogma, which was released in 1999. So, Dan, why don't you start us off with some box office stats? All right. I actually didn't even realize this movie was actually released <laughs> in the theaters, but it did have a $10 or $10 million $10 budget. dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> it opened to $8.6 million in 1,200 theaters. Had a overall domestic gross of 30 million and it was actually an international release and made 400,000. It was distributed by Lionsgate. It won no awards but had eight nominations on IMDb. You'll see that at 7.3 stars, Rotten Tomatoes 76 or 67 percent and an audience score of 85%. All right, maybe an interesting movie facts. So, William Donahue of the Catholic League lambasted the film, so he basically said, fuck this film, it's bad, and publicly protested against it for months without actually ever seeing it. When Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier heard Alan Rickman was a chasing Amy fan, by the way, John, that's another Jay and Silent Bob movie, just so you know, they asked him to play Metatron. He read the script and came back with two questions. Did they stay faithful to the script? And were the wings real or CGI? The movie Restaurant's Playground was created especially for the movie. It's shaped like a giant meat grinder, which is pretty fucked. I'm sorry. That's the funniest thing in the world. Is you imagine they have a child playground that's shaped like a meat grinder? <laughs> Do you guys not find this hilarious? I find this hilarious. Wait, no, that's 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 I, I just think that's pretty much a staple when it comes to uh like weird movies like this. They just do weird shit and then you get this leftover remnants of like the 1990s that people in 100 years can be like, wow, they were so weird back then. So you mean my picks? <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of your picks, Dan. Go fuck yourself, John. Wow, that's mean. What the fuck? <laughs> in the scene where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are in the gun shop, you can see Ben pick up a knife and play with it. You continue to watch Ben. You will see him cut his finger. He then recoils with a look of shock on his face as if he did not expect to cut himself. <laughs> The role of Loki was written for Jason Lee, but scheduling conflicts forced him to take on a smaller role of Asriel. Matt Damon took over as Loki. Honestly, I think he does better as Asriel than he would have as Loki, and I feel like Matt Damon was the perfect choice for Loki. All I can say is that I'm very happy that Matt Damon was in, was in this movie because he is this, he's, he's perfect. He is. He's perfect in this movie. The hoods are worn around the necks of the three angels in the film, Metatron, so Alan Rickman, Bartleby, Ben Affleck, and Loki, Matt Damon, represent their halos, which I thought was a very interesting way to represent their halos. Kevin Smith wrote this screenplay before he wrote Clerks, which was done in 1994. Again, John, that is um, a Jay and Silent Bob movie, but shelved Thank it because you. he wanted to do it with proper visual effects. Rufus's reply, know him. I'm not saying that word, owes me 12 bucks when asked if he knows Christ, was one of the few lines ad-libbed by Chris Rock. The Buddy Christ statue that was used in the film is on display as of mid-2019 at Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, a comic book store at Red Bank, New Jersey, owned by Kevin Smith. Which, by the way, Kevin Smith is from New Jersey. Just so you I know. know. We're talking I'm about the saying. same Chris Rock that got his, that got his uh, face slapped in, right? Yeah, bitch. What other Chris Rock is there? <laughs> All right. Um, I just wanted to say, man. Anyway, as I was saying, God, both of you so rude. Anyway, this is the fourth film in Kevin Smith's intricately interconnected, interconnected view as universe. I can't say that word. Serious. The US others. Universe. Yeah, the others are Clerks, 1994, Mall Rats, great movie, 1995, Chasing Amy, 1997, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, 2001, and Clerks 2 in 2006. Emma Thompson was going to appear in the film as God, but she backed out before filming began in order to have a baby, which is a good reason, I guess, why you would back out. Um, due to the controversy of the film, Disney was having doubts about releasing the film, at which point Miramax's Harvey Weinstein personally brought the project from Miramax and sent it to Lionsgate Films, which is the reason why I think uh, this movie, you can't find it on any streaming services. I'm pretty sure... And I can't confirm this because, like, I didn't look it up or anything like that. So if I'm wrong, you guys can tell me. But I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith is very outspoken against Harvey Weinstein. And because of that, Harvey Weinstein made it very hard to watch any of Kevin Smith's movies that he was personally a part of by taking them off of streaming services. And only, you can only get them on, like, YouTube. Which, uh, 
Thank you, Russian Cooch Smoocher. You put it up on YouTube. Yeah, fucking it. Russian Cooch Smoocher on YouTube. <laughs> what a blessing of a man. Shout out. That name, by the way, gold, Russian Cooch Smoocher. Are you saying yeah, you're Russian and you like smooching cooches? Or do you like smooching specifically Russian cooches? I just want to know. There's just, I just want to know. A lot to unpack there. <laughs> or not right. a lot to unpack. So in the film, Loki is the angel of death. Asriel is a demon who wants to cause mischief. In traditional mythology, it is Asriel who is the angel of death. And Loki is a Norse god who causes mischief. Which I was going to say, when I was watching this movie, I was like, wait a second. Loki's the Norse god of mischief. Isn't Asriel the guy who's supposed to be the angel of death? Whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. But when I saw these facts, I was like, okay, so I was right. Kevin Smith originally wanted Danny Elfman, the guy who does fucking every goddamn movie ever, to compose a score for the film, but he was unavailable, which is unfortunate. But, you know, they still did a pretty good job. Asriel references Hamlet by William Shakespeare. I need you three to shuffle her loose, the mortal coil, from Hamlet's infamous to be or not to be soliloquy in Act 3, Scene 1. Kevin Smith once happened upon a demonstration against this movie by a group of Catholics. Since nobody recognized him, he just joined in. That's uh, fucking great. Yeah. That's, some, that's a great publicity stunt. It yeah, really yeah, is. The news clip is even online. Like, that's a genius publicity stunt. Like, not even really starting is. a fighter, just walking and be like, you know what? Fine. Let's go. My, the funniest thing about all this is Kevin Smith is actually extremely Catholic, and I'm pretty sure all these people started protesting because of that one priest that I mentioned in the beginning of the interesting facts who was completely against the film but had never actually watched the film. I mean, I... I can understand why this movie is a cult classic based on all the religious stuff in it. I could just, I totally understand it. So anyway, George Carlin, the guy who played Cardinal Glick, was an outspoken critic of religion and was an atheist in real life, which I thought was hilarious. Because when I saw him as like a priest in this, I was like, hey, wait a second, I remember him. He's he's an atheist, isn't he? <laughs> um, and then the nun in the airport is played by Betty Aberlin, who many may recognize as Lady Aberlin in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Wow. That's Sorry, awesome. I never watched Mr. Rogers. You know what? I... Fuck you, John. Mr. Rogers' uh... Neighborhood was a fucking treasure among all treasures. Yes, that was my childhood. Oh, that's sad. You guys are old. All right, so movie synopsis. The movie begins with an older gentleman looking at the ocean as three teenagers come up behind him and beat him unconscious with hockey sticks. The scene then switches to Cardinal Glick, announcing a new image for the Catholic Church to draw in new people. The scene switches again to the former angel of death, Loki, convincing a nun that God doesn't exist. After the nun leaves, Loki sits next to another former angel, Bartleby, who shows Loki a newspaper clipping of Cardinal Glick's reform of the church and how that could be a way back home to heaven after they were cast out. Excited about the prospect of going home, and hoping to get himself back into the good graces of God, Loki suggests that they kill the board members of the movie Empire, and Bartleby reluctantly agrees to do so. The scene then switches again to show Bethany in church before she goes to work in an abortion clinic, which is fucking hilarious. While at church, she, walked, she talks to a co-worker about her faltering faith. The scene then switches to the demon Azriel, as he has the three teenage boys, who are actually demons, kill a woman to use her house as the headquarters to complete his master plan of ending life as we know it. And that is one of that probably that scene has one of the best golden liners of this entire movie, which we'll talk about later. After Azrael sends it, sends off his demons to kill the last scion, the scene switches back to Bethany as she's getting ready for bed when a fire bursts out at the end of her bed and begins talking to her. Acting on instinct, Bethany uses a fire extinguisher to put out the flames and reveals the very annoyed voice of God, Metatron. After some convincing that he is in fact an angel, Metatron tells Bethany that she is to go on an appointed journey by God to stop Loki and Bartleby from entering a church in New Jersey and ending existence. When Bethany awakes, she believes the whole encounter was a joke until she finds the maracas Metatron shook in her bed. That night, as Bethany goes to her car after work, she is attacked by Azriel's three demons. As Bethany scrambles to find the mace that was knocked under the car, Jay and Silent Bob appear and kick the ass out of the demons. Once the demons run away, Bethany thanks them and then goes to send them on their way. When Jay says something to mark them as the prophets of God she's supposed to find for her journey to the church in New Jersey, 
Bethany then takes the two to the diner to ask them to help join them on their trip back to New Jersey. Confused as to why she would want to go with them, Bethany explains that they were sent on a mission from God to stop angels from entering a church in existence, and they were the ones who were supposed to help her do it. Jay and Silent Bob agree to her request and the stipulation that Jay gets to drive. However, not too long after they left the restaurant, the car breaks down because Jay doesn't know how to drive a stick shift. Hilarious. The scene switches again to Loki and Bartleby. It is great. Um, to Loki and Bartleby on a bus to movie headquarters. As they ride to the headquarters, Bartleby insinuates that Loki can no longer do the job he had in heaven, causing Loki to kill a man committing adultery on the bus. The bus then stops and clears out in panic, leaving the angels to walk the rest of the way. The next day, Bethany decides to walk back to Illinois, annoyed that they are still stuck from the car breaking down. As she goes to leave after bitching out Jay, a naked man falls from the sky onto the road. The man then pops up and introduces himself as Rufus, the 13th Apostle, and he is there to help Bethany on her journey. Rufus then tells the group to start walking, and as everyone leaves, the three demons following Bethany show they were watching the group and cut a hole in space and leave in the portal. The three demons then meet with Azrael to tell him what they saw, and Azrael is pissed at their failure. He then tells them since they can't get to Bethany themselves, he will be sending outside help, a.k.a. a shit demon. Which is a great scene again. The scene switches back to the now group of four as they ate breakfast and talked about the Bible and Jesus. Upset from what she was hearing, Bethany left to take a breather and Rufus followed to apologize for possibly scaring her before they both realized Jay and Silent Bob had left. The two eventually found Jay and Silent Bob in a strip club trying to entice a stripper with a dance for them. As the woman is dancing, Rufus realizes he knows her as the muse of serendipity. The scene then switches to the movie boardroom as Loki and Bartleby crash a board meeting. Loki and Bartleby then expose everyone's sins and kills everyone in the room, but the one person who happened to be a pure soul. The scene then goes back to the group again in the strip club as Serendipity introduces herself to Bethany. As they talk about God and faith, the shit demon Azrael sends sent attacks them and the gang in the strip club until Silent Bob defeats the, the demon with an air freshener. Serendipity then sends the group off with the promise to try and get info out of the shit demon for them. The scene then goes back to Loki and Bartleby as they try to get a bus to New Jersey and find that it's been sold out. The two then debate whether or not they should fly to New Jersey, or not, you know, with their angel wings, and Azrael appears to warn them off for making too much of a scene because people are looking for them. The two then decide their next bet would be to take a train to New Jersey. The scene then switches to everyone's train rides in New Jersey. Jay, Silent, Bob, and Bethany, or Bob written as Boba, <laughs> end up le- meeting Loki and Bartleby without knowing if they are each other's enemy. Jay and Silent Bob connect with Loki and Bartleby, you know, ending up having a heart-to-heart chat with the drunk Bethany until he finds out that she is actually the last scion. Once he figures out who she is, he tries to take her captive, ends up him and Loki getting yeeted off the back of the train. After getting kicked off the train, Loki and Bartleby go to the garage to figure out their next steps, and Bartleby starts to go off. As Bartleby preaches Loki, um, preaches, Loki realizes that Bartleby is starting to sound like Lucifer and confronts Bartleby about it, but Bartleby forces him to stay on course. The scene then switches back to the foursome as they camp in the woods to try and escape the angels after them. After being almost murdered, Bethany demands to know everything that is going on and Rufus lets her know that she's the last living relative of Jesus. Of course, this is the last thing Bethany wants to hear, and she storms off into the woods to have time to herself to think things through. As Bethany runs through the woods, she declares her hatred of God, and Metatron appears to try try and make her feel better. After convincing Bethany that everything was going to be alright, he transports the whole group to a restaurant to explain that God is actually missing, and that is why Bethany was brought in to help stop the angels. The table then debates what to do to stop the end of existence when Jay says they should stop Cardinal Glick from having the ceremony that will allow Loki and Bartleby through. The next day, the group visits, visits the Cardinal and explains all of this, and the Cardinal outright refuses and thinks they are here to undermine the church. The scene then switches to show Loki and Bartleby walking into New Jersey. The scene then changes back to the group as they hang out at a bar to talk over what they're going to do next. When they come up with a plan, Azrael and his minions show up and take the group hostage after killing the bartender, calling him, you guys want to see a holy bartender, and just blast him with an Uzi. That's good. That was great. The scene then switches back to Bartleby and Loki as they arrive at the ceremony for the revival of the Catholic Church. 
Bartleby confronts the priest as he talks about the church and ends up killing an officer after stating everyone there is a sinner. Back at the bar, Avril is telling the group how he got sent to hell and became a demon, as well as his plan to blink everyone out of existence. Asriel then turns on the TV to show the group that Bartleby and Loki have already arrived at the church and are wrecking havoc on the people there. As everyone watches in horror, Serendipity signals the Silent Bob to grab the driver he stole from the priest and smack Asriel with it. Asriel catches on to this and eggs Bob on to hit him with it, thinking the driver will do nothing is then shocked when Bob actually knocks a giant hole into his chest. After killing Asriel, the, crew, the group quickly dispatches his demon followers and sets off to the church to stop Loki and Bartleby from ending existence. Once the group gets to the church, they see the destruction left as they see Bartleby fly overhead and dropping people to the ground. Loki appears with his wings ripped off and lets them know that Bartleby has lost it and he's been killing for hours. Bartleby then notices the group is there and confronts them. As Bartleby makes it clear that he's okay with ending existence, Loki tries to confront him but is killed by Bartleby. The group then tries to hold back Bartleby as he tries to enter the church and cut his wings off. Jay then, Jay then takes Bethany to the side to keep her out of danger, and to fuck her, of course, and gives her the idea that the homeless man who was beat up may, in fact, be God. Bethany then grabs Silent Bob and has him come with her to the hospital nearby that is holding God nearby. She then tells Jay to stall Bartleby, and Jay takes that to mean literally shoot Bartleby's wings off, the thing that he probably should not be doing. At the hospital, Bethany finds the homeless man and takes him off of life support, releasing God and killing herself in the process. As God is released, she materializes just inside the church doors with her voice, as Bartleby opens the doors. Upon seeing God, Bartleby begs for forgiveness, and God grants it by killing him with her voice. After killing Bartleby, God sees the destruction Bartleby has left and revives those he has killed. As all the divine beings go to leave, they see Silent Bob coming up with Bethany's lifeless form. Seeing how upset everyone is with her death, God decides to bring her back to life and with a child of her own, just as Bethany always wanted. The movie ends with Bethany, Silent Bob, and Jay talking after the divine beings have left. You know, the way you wrote that, Nadine, I have to say, you literally took out all of the good bits about the movie and gave it all of the stuff that's very hard to follow. I don't know about that. Before we get started on this movie, uh... So there's one thing I want to mention, Nadine. Uh, there's a lot. To, there's a lot of this movie to uh, to go over, um, and in in retrospect, honestly, this movie can be picked apart like a uh, like a uh, college thesis because there's just so much religious undertones to this movie. Well, Kevin Smith is actually Catholic, so like he grew up Catholic. He is still Catholic. His daughter is Catholic. So I think for him, it's not like, you know, he was just putting it in because he really likes the mythology or he really just studied it. Like, he grew up with it. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, he but just grew up with just, it. it's interesting how a movie like this was made, right, in a time where really people were scared to make movies like these because you could get shut down very, very easily. Nowadays, it's a lot more common. But back in the 90s, like, it was a pretty... Mm. If yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think this movie would be... I don't know if I agree with that, because yeah. today, I feel like it would be a lot harder, because people are a lot less religious today. You had all dogs go to heaven in the fucking 90s and 80s and shit. Like, you had a lot of religious symbolism in the 90s. I'm talking like, about, that's not exactly accurate. I'm talking about way more religious bashing religion, like how this movie does. Like, the way... That... This movie doesn't really bash religion. Kind of yeah, I think does. that's a misconception. Yeah. No, it doesn't bash religion per se, but the way that it does is it basically bashes everyone's viewpoint of religion, which is pretty interesting. That's what I mean. Yeah, I think it like it puts a perspective on religion that isn't common, but I don't think it's in any way, shape, or form bashing Catholic Catholicism or any type of religion. No, and I think uh, which is I think this is the reason why it's so funny that people of the Catholic faith actually boycotted this movie. Because it doesn't actually bash the Catholic religion, I don't really think. I think it does, <clears throat> it bashes the way we view things about religion. You know, like how we all argue amongst ourselves with a religion where they all believe in a God. Everyone has their own, you know, viewpoint on it. You shouldn't say that someone's going to hell because they view it a little bit different. 
you you don't you haven't died yet you have no idea how it fucking goes do you know what i mean like and i feel like that's the what he was trying to say like he's still catholic that's what he believes in but he doesn't bash anyone else for what they believe in because he hasn't died yet so he doesn't really know if at the end that's really what happens you know what i mean i'm atheist but i don't bash anyone for being religious you know unless they're an asshole about it you know, because I haven't died yet. So I don't know what happens after you die. It's it's the same kind of concept. And I think that was kind of more of the message of the movie than anything else. Yeah. Well, since we approach that, I do want to talk about the general uh, general thing of this movie. I actually rather enjoyed this movie. Out of all of the movies that Dan has picked, I think this might actually be one of my favorites that he's picked. <laughs> because Finally. you can appreciate... <laughs> It's pretty bad, isn't it? Um, be, and I think yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, the thing is, is though, is that although this movie has a lot of you know '90s undertones to it, which is obvious, the biggest thing is, is at the core, it's a comedy, and yet the comedy is still fucking funny. Now, there's a lot of stuff that is no longer funny, and is like okay, but the, the good majority of it in this movie is actually hilarious. Oh yeah, I. I love Kevin Smith, like, and I I love James I, Silent Bob movies. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all just the the comedy duo of, of like just how much of an idiot Jay is, and then like how Silent Bob is kind of like the moral compass, but he doesn't say anything. <laughs> it uh, I don't know that that those two characters are just amazing. Oh, it's what God? What are their names? Kay and Peel. Key and Peel. Yeah, is it Key and Peel? Key and Peel. That's it. It kind of reminds me. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of them as well. Which probably they probably borrowed some stuff from uh from these guys. But it, I will say though, um, the duo is hilarious. But let let's be honest, I don't really like Jay at all. But Silent Bob, man, he's the greatest character in this movie by fucking far. That's so here's the thing: what you're supposed to think. Yeah, I don't think you're actually supposed to like Jay. No one is supposed to like Jay. I think the whole point of the movie is that they're like, I love how Jay introduces them. This is my heterosexual life partner. Like, I think that's literally what you're supposed to view them as. Like, they're supposed to be like soulmates that aren't gay for each other, like that aren't like in love with each other, but like still spend their life just enjoying their life together, but completely different people. Like, Jay yeah. is annoying, obnoxious. He tries to be accepting of people and things like that. But sometimes the shit he says just makes you want to knock him the fuck out. Whereas Silent Bob is supposed to be the smart one who just doesn't say much or pretty much anything at all. I just like the fact that he yeeted both uh, Bartleby and Loki out of the back of the train and then walks forward and then says the most iconic line that I have heard many, many, many times. The guy's terrified in the corner of the train, like, <laughs> and he's like, no ticket. And I lost my shit when that happened. <laughs> it, it was that his bad. only line in the movie? He has very few, if, if that's not the only line. Yeah, I don't think he has much more than that if he does. I think one of the biggest things, and one of the reasons why I'm actually a fan of this movie, rather than uh, some other ones that we've seen, is that the movie kind of kicks back at itself. Like, it makes funny... None of the humor feels as forced as some of the other stuff we've watched. Like, uh, like I can bring back the very beginning of Weird Science. I mean, you could objectively say it's a comedy, but it really wasn't that funny. The humor in this movie actually kind of struck pretty true. Like, the fact that she just came back from church, and now she's uh, she walks into work, and it's an abortion clinic. Like, that's hilarious to me. Like, that's actually hilarious. Yeah. Or the fact that she points out, hey, there's the Pope, and everyone turns. Or the fact that they portrayed all of the people that are outside of the church in the dumbest fashion. Like, there's just so many undertones to this movie that's just kind of hilarious. You were saying, like, the comedy, it it doesn't feel out of place, and it goes together really well. I think you have, like, an all-star cast here. Like, Who was the person that played Metatron? I recognize him. Snape. Fucking oh, that's Rickman. why. Snape yeah. fucking. Sorry, what's I. What's wrong with you? I don't know Seriously. names. Like, he's he he, he 
rest in peace with like, a gift to this world that it didn't deserve. Like, well, yeah. I have to say, every time he appeared in scene, all of a sudden the movie was just it started glittering. Like, I I couldn't help but not like not rewind yeah. a little bit and rewatch his scenes because they were so fucking good. Yeah, he right. was amazing as an actor. I'm pretty sure he was a Shakespearean actor too. And he's just amazing. Like he, he just is like a, well, I should say that he is, but he was such a raw talent that I feel like, you know, he was in Die Hard. He, he played the bad guy. I feel like he was underappreciated in like the world until he became a Harry Potter actor, which is sad because he should have been appreciated well before then. That he might have means, been appreciated well before this then. This may be sacrilegious, but it. I don't actually think the Harry Potter movies are all that good. Yeah, because you're I an ass. They're good, but I don't think they're I don't think they're worthy of the giant uh, enterprise that it is now. Um, oh my god. I... But it's actually funny that uh what is the one scene? So it's also pretty interesting the screenwriting of this movie, right? And how the plot actually goes. They tie some things in together that you don't actually expect a movie like this would tie together. Like, we've watched some movies together where, like, oh, no, plot twist, but in reality, you saw the entire thing coming all along. Like, I'll be honest, there's two main things that come to mind. The first one, which isn't really that funny, is the fact that she, well, kind of actually is, that she's the great, great to the, like, 20th power, um, grand, like, granddaughter of Jesus. Like, that's, that's hilarious. Um, and then there's the other one where they're... You know, she's finally getting, you know, Bethany's finally getting a talking to Metatron and they get sent and she's like, oh, my God, is this Mexico? And he's like, no, this is actually in a nearby place by your street. Pretty cool place. And then he starts talking about all of the you know, mythologies and how Loki and Bartleby got kicked out of heaven. Um, and, you know, Bartleby or was it Loki? I don't remember the two. Um but one of them got really piss-ass drunk, and so because of that, it's illegal to drink for angels now. So he takes it a sip, and he spits it out, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I can't drink anymore. And they that keeps coming up. Got drunk, that keeps dude. coming up. Got drunk. Well, that keeps coming up that? in the movie, that angels cannot drink. Keeps coming well, up. And then at the very of... end, you see... Not at the same then time. Then in the movie, you see Loki drinking wine and getting piss-ass drunk because he's, well, he can sin because he expected to go through the door. Oh, yeah, no. He's human, then. It's not that angels, it's, I think it's that angels physically cannot actually drink. Like, they have, they have to spit it out or, like, they get sick. So, like, Loki can do it because he's human, but I feel like they messed up in there because Bartleby can, is drinking on the train, is he not, with Bethany? He's spitting he it wasn't out, human then. No, I don't think he was. Hmm. I think they yeah, might they, actually be able to drink because they were cast out of heaven. So they weren't at that time full angels. They were like fallen angels. And I feel like fallen angels becomes a different status. Gotcha. Also, another thing. I just like how nonchalant Loki is at the end of the movie. He's like, yeah, he's fucking crazy now. What do we do? <laughs> I don't know. It's your problem. Takes another soy, give his wine bottle and walks behind the bus. <laughs> Oh man. Uh the comedy of this movie is really what held it together. Also the shit monster. I was wondering where I've seen that before. Yeah. I see it in a lot of gifts, but that's where that came from. Also, there's a lot of iconic scenes in this movie. Like I it's truly iconic scenes. Yeah, it's it's surprising that it's not on any stream. I mean I guess it's because of all like the legal matter with, with like the Weinstein company, but actually I'm I'm curious now if that actually did not happen, would it be a cult classic? I don't know, um, but yeah. but this movie, I, I, like this movie, is quite good considering you know what's in it. The cast is probably what really held it together the most. Oh yeah, no, I actually forgot how like concise of a movie this was, and like I actually do love like kind of like religious commentary fiction. Like uh, Nadine introduced me to uh to Lucifer. And like when I, as soon as I saw that, I like binge like the first like three or four seasons. Oh, it's like the, the way you could. For, reason, I was like, for a second, I was like, "Yeah, Nadine introduced me to Lucifer." I'm like, "Well, Nadine's got fucking connections, damn." <laughs> 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 
that's 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 pretty funny but no uh i love this movie just because it's like kind of this weird like mythology of of religion and it it's kind of just a funny story but also kind of has like a deeper meaning that kind of is cool too how i don't like the the difference between a good and a bad person it, it just comes down to like it's not how religious you are like what what you find religion it's it's whatever you find your way to like just be a good person is is okay yeah the fact that like uh they were arguing or whatever about how all these filthy humans can do whatever they have the freedom to do whatever they want yet they can still go to heaven you know and then uh then like there's a really good talk about the you know instead of believing just having general faith on what's going on is more valuable than trying to believe religion or something like that. Put your belief in a system. And I, exactly. I like, like the undertones of that, like that's actually a very good message. Even if you're not religious, it's just a really good message. But the fact that it got bogged down by a, you know, well, the people that boycotted this movie kind of, kind of amazing. Yep. No, it's funny. In, 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 like, the news clip that you can watch where, like, Kevin Smith is talking to the news station as a protester, he, he even mentions, like, yeah, I don't even know why this movie's bad. I didn't see it, but it's, it's definitely a bad movie. It's a bad message it's sending. <laughs> That's amazing. He even got in touch with the reporter. That's funny. I don't think this is a bad thing because it, it's basically, like I said earlier, like, I feel like the message of this movie was not necessarily that, you know you have to believe in Christianity or Christianity is bad or Catholicism is bad or religion is bad. It's saying don't bash other people believing what they're believing in. You know what I mean? Just be a good person. And in the end, whatever happens happens. Cause we're going to find out. None of us really fucking know what's going on, you know, cause we haven't all, we haven't died yet. We, we haven't hit that point where we know what happens in our afterlife um, or if there is an afterlife. So I actually think that like religious mythology whether it be religious mythology that's today's people still use or is a dead religion. I think it's really interesting because they all have pretty much very similar messages. And I feel like this movie kind of using Loki, who's the Norse God of mischief coming in and and putting him in as the angel of death. You know what I mean? But he still does create mischief in the movie. Let's be honest. And Azrael, who's supposed to be the angel of death as a muse was a way of actually even saying like, look, all of these religions have a little bit of similarity to it too. You just, you know, you, you believe in what you believe in and we'll find out when we die. You know, just, just don't be a dick. Well, I have to say the biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest one of this entire movie is the introduction of uh, Buddy Christ. I love that. I loved that. That, that was hilarious. I, I saw that and I don't even want to... I can't tell you how many times on Facebook I've seen that image being promoted mm-hmm. by actual religious groups and <laughs> being used in the literal manner that that guy was talking about. What the fuck, man? Being like, yeah, we... And, dude, the, I just... Now that I know the source of it, it makes it that much more entertaining on Facebook. Yeah, that, that, that probably is the one scene that probably is a little shining bad light on the Catholic Church. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, not not even bad light, but kind of uh, poking fun at it. Yeah, um, there's a... Now I remember it, I remember it. I have to bring it up because it's just such a good line. When uh, Azrael and the three uh, the three demon munchkins um, go into the uh, that woman's house and kill her, and he turns on the AC, takes a deep-ass breath, and then goes, uh, what was it? Um, no pleasure, no rapture, no exquisite sin greater than sensual air. I cracked up. And I was, I turned to Satori and I was like, do you, do you get this line? And she said something along the lines of like, yeah, because you know, this, this, this. And I'm like, it's just such a funny line. There is no sin greater than central air. <laughs> and then uh, did, did you like make the connection to like the Marvel Easter egg where, where Matt Damon plays Loki as like the stage actor in one of the, the Marvel movies? No. Not until you just said it. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that being. I remember like people making a big deal about that, and I never understood why. Now, now I realize like that's it's kind of like a throwback a little bit. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. 
Um, bes- oh god. Um, I'm trying to think about other things. This movie. Uh, the oh, go ahead. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention: movie. How many move like other cult classic movies that we've reviewed are mentioned in this movie? Yeah, for real, dude. Like, it's insane how many are mentioned. I know at least three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's the Mighty Ducks, um, we Weird did. Science, and Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith is a huge Star Wars fan. So that makes sense. That's that's. What I, th- I think there's a Star Wars re- reference in almost. There usually is, movie. yeah. Weren't they all brought up by uh, by Loki and Bartleby as well? Yeah, and they kept just bringing so. up movies and stuff, and I was cracking up. But that's that. That's like young Matt. I mean, Matt Damon and and uh, Ben Affleck are like just best friends going back back to like when they were young. So, I think you kind of get that dynamic whenever they're in a movie together. Is like just like two kids talking about things they love. Yeah, the best bros. Yep. Also, that shooting scene in the movie headquarters was freaking hilarious. It kind like, of was. Wasn't he just it? goes in there, start. Yeah, he just the 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 fact that he just walked in and started chatting this long ass monologue, scaring the hell out of everyone, and then leaves, and then everyone's like, "What the hell was that?" And he walks back in. He's like, "Just kidding, take this." It just blows everyone's brains out, except and for the, the one, one lady. woman shivering. By the way, which beside yeah. which was interesting because she was the only woman in that entire uh, that entire table, um, was shivering, and she. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, you have a pure soul. I won't kill you. But then and he was then like, what, is, "What was it?" He's like, he was like, "But you didn't say you bless you." Me. No, you didn't say bless you when I sneeze. And yeah. he goes to shoot her, and Barley's like, "Loki, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Oh my god! But the things that like he went off at all of them, and like what the, the fucked up things they did, it was like, what? yeah, it's like, wow, okay, guys, calm down. Also. The guy, the priest, the priest was the guy who was whacked with the uh, sticks in the beginning of the movie, right? No. Two different actors entirely. Okay, so it's it's not a, uh, he got whacked in the head by the bunch of them, which insinuated the entire change to everything. No, dude, the priest was not God. Why would he be in the movie if he wasn't God? The whole point of the movie was that God was missing. Because God was stuck in a fucking coma. Because in human, the human uh, world, yeah. in the human world, like if they take on a human form, uh, they can die, but they get sent straight back to heaven if that's the case in their original form. But because he was stuck in a coma, he didn't die yet, so he was stuck in that body, unconscious, unable to go back to heaven to actually see what's going on and run things the way. Well, she was supposed to, because it really God was a woman. God was actually played by Alanis Morissette. Just you guys now. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> also, there's something funny about seeing God do a handstand against a tree. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Also, uh, the little fact bit. that she's that the fact that she got a child just out of nowhere. Also, it's kind of funny. That also bothered me because here. you're pregnant as well. No, the whole point, of, the whole time in the movie, she kept saying, "I've always wanted a baby," and like, "You never let me have one." Kind of thing you like, you made me barren. My husband left me for it. That kind of thing, like that was a theme in the movie. The thing that bothered me about that, though, is the last scion was supposed to trade the change the world, right? Like the, the scions of God or whatever. So, like, Jesus was technically a scion of God in, in this movie. He had to die in order to finish the mission that he was put on for. She had to die to finish the mission that she was put on for. So now the last sign is her kid. And they're saying, raise her well, because she has a lot of work ahead of her. But in order to do that work, means she has to die. So this woman is okay that her kid is the last scion because she finally gets to have a baby for herself, but is okay with her kid eventually having to die? That always bugged me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really big topic topic to sigh on. Oh my god, <laughs> that that was that, that was, was a really <laughs> bad dad joke. That was the worst dad joke I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. Like I've never <laughs> heard it ever. <laughs> but no, I, I was gonna say though, um, it was funny because as I was, I was as I was watching this movie, I met, wanted to mention this during the interesting facts. Like I was like, oh, Chris Rock, like I love him. Like he hasn't done anything in a while, and then. 
after I watched this movie, the Oscars happened. <laughs> yeah, it was very coincidental how we watched the movie yeah. literally the night of, of when I watched that the Oscars happened. Yep. Oh, uh, that was. And, <laughs> I was like, "Who's Chris Rock?" And then now he's all, now he's everywhere. You didn't know who Chris Rock was, dude. I don't know any actors. John's, oh my god, John's John's just a disappointment. Like I just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and I I don't even know if I really want to keep this in the podcast. But another sad thing that happened after we watched this movie was that Taylor Hawkins died. The drummer for Foo Fighters, who also used to be Atlantis Morissette's drummer. So, oh yeah, that's right, she was. I, I forgot that he was Atlantis Morissette's drummer. Yeah, Taylor Hawkins is a damn good drummer. I don't know who that is. I know the Foo Fighters, but yeah, he was the Foo Fighters drummer. Cool. Do you know who Atlantis Morissette is, John? Get it together. No. Oh my God. Uh. I know who Bill Gates is. The the song Ironic. Isn't it ironic? Like, you know, that one. What about, what about, what about You Ought to Know? It's like, but I don't know how to fucking, the words on it. That song has been forever. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, they had some Alanis Morissette songs in this movie, too. I'm just like, I can't believe you don't even know who that is. I forget sometimes that you're, you're much younger than us, even though you're still technically a millennial. And that you don't well, know anything. From here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? I've mentioned this before. I grew up on other things than you guys. I grew up on a on a very specific sheltered life, right? So now that I'm an adult, I'm learning that, oh, I should have learned this stuff when I was younger. Or, wow, everyone was brought up with this stuff. You know, who the fuck is this? That's That's me. And then now that I'm at my age, I like the stuff that I do. But everyone's like, oh my god, you've never watched this movie? Oh my god, you don't know what this song is? Oh my god, you don't know who this actor is? Like, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Yeah, I'm not going to wake up one morning and forget to make my toast with butter because someone, some actor died that I've never heard of before, but just so happens to be an actor that everyone knows. Yeah, we had a conversation in the car earlier, like, I'm probably one of the only millennials that still listens Mm -hmm. to the radio. Uh, no. No. What? I both listen to the radio. I hate the fucking radio. No, she got a radio so we can put on uh, the station whenever, you know, her or I take a shower or she'll have it and she'll have it in the kitchen while we're washing dishes. I, I like the radio because, you know what, sometimes I don't need to, I don't want to choose or figure out what I want to listen to. I just want to put on the radio and get okay, back and relax. Well, Pandora, friend. <laughs> well, Nadine, do you have other stuff to add to this movie? Many, 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 many things, honestly, but I feel like John is sick and I'm not feeling so hot. I just got done being sick. I lost my voice for like a couple days. And Dan is short. Dan's the only one that's actually fucking yes, not sure. sick in this podcast right now. I don't understand how this is happening. <laughs> I was sick the last two podcasts, so. <laughs> yeah, he was sick the last two podcasts. Then now both of us feel like shit. I'm I'm suffering from an ear infection that went to my jaw, and it's the beginning of strep throat, and so I'm I miserable. got whatever the fuck Dan had. I don't know what it was, but, like, it knocked me out for a couple days, and then I didn't have a fucking voice, which is great. I just, whenever people say it knocked me out for a couple of days, I just think they're just falling on the floor and not moving for a few days. And then Dan walks up like, oh my God, Nadine. I mean, I woke up a few times to pee, but like, there's, it's about accurate. It's about accurate. It's funny that I got sick like this the moment I started drinking lots of water, though. Like, I started being like, oh, well, since, you know, we're going to go hiking pretty soon, I better get my body used to drinking lots of water so I don't feel sick or whatever. So, and then I get sick. It's a happy coincidence. You know how Bob Ross sometimes put trees on rivers and it looks good? That's that's right. That Yeah. What? We're going to do Is It or Isn't It? So, Dan, is it a cult movie? Yes. I think, like, this is not, like, a... I don't think everybody has seen this movie. It's definitely a very niche, like, group of people that love these, like, Jane Sonnenfall movies. This uh, is my favorite one. I think it's one of the most, like coherent and one of the most like star driven one of them so i hey dan yep there's a you did it again you said a word differently than how you're supposed to say it's niche not niche niche i didn't i wasn't paying attention yeah whatever guys it's it's like whenever you go meet a guy named rick you don't call him reich right no (laughs) i'm sorry go ahead 
It's a niche movie. These <laughs> Jade Silent Bob movies are a niche group of movies that have a very developed fan base. And Kevin Smith is awesome. So, well, I guess that doesn't really matter if it's a cult classic or not. But yes, this is a cult classic in my book. Um, I have to say, yeah, of course it's a cult classic. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is very cult classicy, of course. Um, but I think the biggest reason is that this movie was actually protested, and because of a, uh, because of the fact that um the two people didn't really get along. Um, I forget their names. Um, Kevin Smith and whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Um, this movie wasn't actually put in a lot of uh like streaming services, and of course they didn't have it at the time. But you know, this movie just didn't really do well in the box office, even though it kind of did. But because of that, you know, this got blocked out from a lot of people's ability to watch it. I have a feeling that if this movie did not get protested and did not have that happen, I think this movie would not be considered a considered a cult classic. But because of the fact that it did not go around too far, um, it's definitely a cult classic. I also think it's a cult classic, but I would say most Jane Silent Bob movies are cult classics. And the reason being is that they are movies that are really like loved by people who fucking like watch it and like fucking know Jane Silent Bob and they just love that shit. Like I'm one of those. I'm assuming Dan is. Maybe we can convert you now, John. No, he can't. It's 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 funny, but I don't. Such a bitch. Anyway, so, but (laughs) I think it's also something that's it just didn't get that far for whatever reason it may be. Maybe it's because the type of humor was just not everyone's type of humor. Maybe it was because. Kevin Smith is mostly known by like nerdy people because he is a guy who really likes nerdy stuff and things like that, or whatever the reason may be, the movies aren't insanely popular. I think maybe Chasing Amy was, but outside that, like they just weren't. So yeah, I would say that this is a cult movie. I would say most of Jane Silent Bob movies are cult movies because they have specific people who really love them and like are huge fan bases and super devout to Jay and Silent Mob movies and Kevin Smith in particular. Okay. Do you guys want to rate the movie now? Yeah, let's get it over with. Dan? Um, I remember really liking this movie and watching it again. I definitely really like this movie. This is an eight for me. It is. Okay. Nadine? Also an eight for me. Awesome. Okay. This is Jane Silent Bob. Very, reason- very reasonable. Uh, mine is going to be slightly less, not too much. It's a seven. Oh, I'm surprised. It's yeah. a good sit down and watch movie. I did not get bored. There was just so much stuff that happened and the comedy was enough to keep the movie going. So it was a pleasant watch, but it's not something I would just gush over. But that's that's an appropriate seven. A five is just a movie I sit down and I watch and I just walk back with nothing. This movie, at least I learned something, right? I guess. I guess you can put it that way. Would we recommend this movie? Guys, what do you think? Um, uh, I'm going to be honest, I probably wouldn't recommend it. You're not because uh, I don't think it's a great movie and all. Not because I don't think it's a great movie. Shut up. Not because I don't think it's a great movie you? and all. Yeah, I always do. Shut up, guys. <laughs> not, not because... The... Jesus, you won't <laughs> let me speak. Not because this movie isn't great. But I live and I know majority people that would probably watch this movie and probably come at me with a taser because they're extremely religious. So I don't think I'd recommend it to don't anyone. Don't show it to, I don't to religious die. people then. Duh. What the fuck, man? Send it to normal people. Normal people. I'm, not going, I'm not going on Google creating a forum post and recommending it to random people, you know? I'm recommending it to friends, but most of my friends would beat me with a bat besides you guys, and you guys are the ones in the podcast. Who the fuck am I going to recommend it to? God? So no. I would. Dan. Yes. Definitely watch this movie. It's a good, <laughs> a great introduction um, to like the whole. I think as far as the Jay and Silent Bob, Bob movies go, this one's not like so out there that you might <laughs> have not a hard be time as much. I think this is a good like introduction to them. Um, it's it's kind of a cool story. There's a lot of great performances by well known actors. Um, yeah, this I recommend this movie. I would also recommend this movie. I think this movie is very well put together. I think the storyline of the movie is actually very well put together. It has an all-star cast. It is actually very funny. 
And even though it has religious, not even undertones, it's just, it has a lot of religion in it. Uh, even for someone who isn't religious, it's a good movie. So it's a great way to get introduced, just as Dan said, to Jay and Silent Bob. But even if you didn't get into that universe, it's just an enjoyable movie to watch and sit down with. Okay. I think it also does like stand up well for being a 20, almost 24 years old. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Nadine. Alrighty guys. So we are going to end the podcast here. If you guys have any movie recommendations or want to talk about movies with us, you can find us on Facebook through our private group, Snazzy Podcasts. Snazzy is spelled S-N-A-S-Y. Or you can find us at Snazzy Podcasts on Instagram. Or you can just email us at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. Um, if you guys like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps get us out there and have more people find us. We would love to have a discussion with people who are cult movie followers before we decide to end this podcast. Because at some point, we're going to stop recording. Um, but, you know, whenever you guys decide to do that. Well, that was dark. <laughs> All right, Nadine. Um, hey, guys, please talk to us before we disappear. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, just as a heads up, we will be reviewing John's non-list pick, Grave of the Fireflies. Dan and I are not happy to see this, but we're going to stick through it. It was released. I am extremely happy to see Nobody this cares about your opinion, John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry I wasn't born in the 19-fucking-20s and I just watch every movie under the sun. <laughs> Because that's all the entertainment we had back then. Alrighty. Anyway, it was released in 1988, <laughs> so make sure to tune in again. That episode was supposed to be released March 31st. Again, between the moving, the getting the new dog, and everyone getting sick to the point that we lost our voices, which makes it impossible to record. You guys should be lucky I didn't get struck through from this. We are a little bit behind, but we're trying to drop things as quickly as we possibly can. We're recording every week, so that way we can catch up to where we're supposed to be timeline-wise. I'm hoping by the end of April, we're going to be on time with everything. So, we'll see you guys again soon. Talk to you guys next week, hopefully. <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Bye. Take care.